Welcome in to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, today it's it's Corona virus, truth and lies. We're all in the middle of it, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna jump in right now and see if we can't just unpack. It. Well, Rick, we've heard a lot from politicians. We've heard a lot from the so-called specialists and scientists in the field who work in the governmental offices. We thought it would be a great take today to actually talk to a doctor who is practicing, who sees patients, and see what he thinks about all this. And he graduated uh, high school uh, from the Stavanger American School in Norway, then on to Baylor University, which will make Stretch Armstrong very happy. He's a big Baylor guy, and he's here from Baylor. Uh, He went to the OU College of Medicine and did his residency in Tuscaloosa, the University of Alabama College of Community Health Sciences, his name, Dr. David Williams, and he joins us now. Doctor, welcome to Rick and Bubba University. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Doctor, before we get started, I've got to ask, are you from Norway? Is that You went to high school there? No, uh, I'm originally from northeast Oklahoma. My dad was with uh, Phillips Petroleum, uh, and we went uh, overseas to England and Norway, and I graduated high school there, then I came back to the States for, for college. Okay, great. How about great. that? And you, I, you, you're well well traveled. Then you've right. seen a lot of the a lot of the world. Yeah, and I've I've, I've read a lot of your stuff. I know you're a big Auburn fan, and uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my allegiance is definitely to Baylor, but my wife went to Alabama, uh, and uh, I told my kids their life would be a lot simpler in Tuscaloosa if they root for Alabama. So I gave them that option. Uh, so some of them have chosen Baylor, some of them have chosen Alabama. Yeah. Now what? You don't have any Oklahoma fans in there. Uh, Oklahoma is kind of a, a secondary school for me, but my undergrad is definitely my, my first love. Okay. All right, well, I want, we, we can't wait to get into it, but I want everybody to know right now, and Bob, Bubba, you and I have been talking about this Gobby insurance, and, and those that I'm wondering what I'm talking about, if you, if you have you know, car insurance or homeowner's insurance, you, you, let's face it, it, starts, it, it gets on automatic, and you just assume that you've got the coverage that you need, and you assume the amount of coverage that you need and you're comfortable with, that the price you have, is as good as it can get. And the reason why we think that is I'm not going to take the time to look at 40 other insurance companies. I just don't have time for that. Unless, unless uh, I use Gobby. Because here's what you do. When you use Gobby, uh, they will take the pain out, out of shopping for insurance by giving you apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers, now Progressive and, and Nationwide and, and Travelers, they're all there and, and all the many others. Now, here's the good good news. It takes about two minutes. Y'all, nothing could be simpler, okay? It's very, very simple. Even I can do it. It takes about two minutes. It's free to you. Uh, all you do is just link your current insurance. Go go to Gobby, G-A-B-I.com slash Rick Bubba right now, uh, and you go there. It takes about two minutes, and then you'll see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have, and you'll find out if you're paying too much. How about this? Gobby customers save, on average, $825 a year, and if they can't find you savings like they did you know, for us, they'll let you know that you can now relax knowing you have the best rate out there. And they'll never – I know some of you are thinking about this. Let me clarify this. They will never sell your information. So no annoying spam or robocalls, which also separates them from others that may try to do the same thing. Totally free to check your rate. No obligation. Takes two minutes right now. See how much you can save on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to gobby.com slash rickbubba. That's G-A-B-I.com slash rickbubba. Uh, that's gobby.com slash rickbubba. All right, so Dr. Williams, let, let's jump right in. Let, let, let's go with truth and let's go with fiction because right now, I don't think we know the difference. Uh, so so let's let's start right now with one thing you talk about in, in the articles that you've written, and I've read both, 
Uh, if you have others, I haven't seen those yet, but I've read two of them. And one of them you said, none of us are trying to say that COVID-19 isn't a medical disease, and we're certainly not trying to say that it won't lead to tragic deaths, right? That's true. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you actually pointing that out. I, I, I do not do any uh, programs where, where they don't let me acknowledge the fact that this is a legitimate disease and it will lead to deaths. Uh, and we, we would never minimize that. The people who have suffered those those deaths and their, their families have, have our absolute sympathy. Uh, but what many of us have come up with is the idea that the tragedy that they're suffering, uh, because it's being handled poorly, has led to way more tragedy and suffering for other people that is unnecessary. So, but you do say, even though that is truth, it's also truth every year concerning many things that you see that lead to similar deaths. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, we lose a, a, a fair number of people to uh, respiratory diseases every year. Um, and actually, what I did just like literally a couple of nights ago, um, you mentioned I've done two pieces. I, I've done multiple pieces that went directly to, to politicians. Uh, I finally went public because I got tired of the lack of response. Um, and the last two pieces are public. But, but my next project, if I, if I get it together, will probably be a, a video presentation. And one of the things I looked at, I said, well, let's just look at um, whether we're truly losing more people because of COVID. And and the CDC, have, they seem to be the biggest fans of COVID. They've made it to where you, you don't even have, to have COVID to die from COVID, which is an extremely strange circumstance. Um, they themselves say that we're actually below regular pace for this year. So so the people we're losing from respiratory illness are, are, are actually a little bit below pace of normal. And, and, and so we lose people every year to respiratory illnesses. It, it's, it's something we cannot avoid. It's life on the planet. Doctor, so let, let's start right there. We we hear that if you die from, um, say, a heart ailment, but you you also test positive for COVID nineteen, they ring it up as a COVID death, not yeah, a heart is- death. Or how can you can you speak to that? And is that the normal? If you have Influenza. the same thing with the flu. Or is there uh, is there a uh, a medical reason for doing that, or is there a financial reason for doing that? Can you kind of clear? Because we hear all kind of rumors. Yeah, yeah. Well, w- what is absolutely not a rumor uh, is that um, that states are testing, hospitals are testing for COVID uh, for people that pass away from other things, uh, uh, including car accidents, which which clearly the patient had no idea they had COVID, uh, but but if they link it to COVID, uh, hospitals are being reimbursed at a higher rate. Now, I always kind of point out about the hospitals, um, you know, I don't know what they're doing for, for that reason financially, but all the hospitals are, are basically suffering financially because of the handle, handling of COVID because their overall numbers are so down. You know, they haven't allowed any sort of elective procedures for the last five or six weeks. Um, so I, I'm actually an advocate for hospitals. It's in my first paper that says, look, you know, our, our community hospitals are bleeding cash. And, and that one of the reasons we need to, to fix uh, the, the approach to how we treat COVID is get people back in the hospitals that need to be treated for other reasons, uh, for their benefit and for the hospital's benefit. But, but definitely um, April 2nd, um, the, the CDC changed the guidelines to where you could put any respiratory death as COVID. Um, whether or not it tests positive for COVID, but they're also testing people for car accidents that have COVID and heart attacks that have COVID and, and linking those as well. So basically they're testing everybody, but even if they're negative, they can include the respiratory deaths. And, and I've, I've included your references to where you can verify that for yourself. Yeah, I want to one more thing about that before you leave, because I want to I be clear we understand that. 
because yeah. because if if it, if that is the case, you said in one of your op eds, and now you just clarified it, and you I guess April second is the place. You said yep. you can you can trust numbers up yep. to up to April second, but after April second, the numbers are up for debate because they change yep. the way they're doing it. Yeah, the, the death numbers mean absolutely nothing after April the 2nd um, because we've never handled any disease like this. And I actually, I, I put it out there um, on, on my piece. I said, if anyone has seen a disease handled for that like this, you please let me know. Uh, I've had the majority of doctors, and, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know why they're more not more vocal, but I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of doctors feel the way I feel, not not the way that you're hearing from, from the mainstream media uh, or the doctors are on the mainstream media. Um, however, um, they're obviously not given a mainstream media voice that, that is very clear. But I've asked people who did speak out and said, you know, hey, you know, the majority were on the positive. But I've had one or two that said, look, we're just not sure just because you're not in, in a situation where you're seeing a lot of cases that you really understand what's going on. Even those doctors, I went to them specifically. And I said, now, before I put this out there, you tell me, is there another disease that's ever been handled this way? No, nobody's ever come up with a single one handled this way. So, Doctor, we've also heard that there is uh, a possibility of blood clots with this. Is it possible that COVID-19 is adding to heart attacks or other things? I mean, do we know for sure or do we we just don't know? No, we absolutely don't know for sure. Um, But we do know that viral illnesses as a whole lead to potentially other complications. And sometimes they're a response of our own immune system. So... um, for instance, there's a, there's a disease, disease called Kawasaki's disease, which you may have heard of, may have not. Um, it is common enough that everybody in family practice residency and certainly pediatric residency will have seen it several times. But you probably haven't heard of it because there's fewer than 20,000 cases per year. So that's not something we advertise to the general public. However, the potential, which they haven't proven yet, Kawasaki's type illness with covid has affected about 80 something kids and you've heard about every one of them right. which is another representation of the fact that th- this disease is presented very differently now the blood clot i'll be honest with you it may or may not have to do with a, a, a inflammatory response but i think it may have to do with the fact you put people in the house and they're not moving and they're not getting right. out and so it's not particularly shocking you're seeing a, a rise in, in blood clots that's what happens when you put people on a long plane ride when you put people in front of tvs for hours they're not moving those muscles and they lead to more blood clots Dr. Williams, back to this April 2nd date and the way we changed the reporting. Why was it changed? Who, who dictated that and why was it done? Yeah, that I have no idea, but I, I feel like that's a very important uh, piece of information to get. Uh, and I think the way we handle that is really important as well. Um, I've had several people, of course, you know, once I, you know, even before I put my website address or uh, my email address on there, people who found me. Uh, and, and one of them in particular was asking questions about, well, who, who do I trust? If I can't trust the World Health Organization, which I told him, I said, listen, you know, you didn't lose anything there. The World Health Organization has not been a valid source of information for quite a while. Um, they're very politically driven and, and Trump did the right thing in, in cutting the funding there. But the CDC, man, we need that information to be accurate. So whoever changed that and is making it to where that information is not something we rely on, uh, we've got to get to the bottom of that. And I don't care if it's a politician. I don't care if it's somebody within the CDC. Uh, but but that, that handling needs to be explained. Dr. Williams, it seems like the, the handling of this, as you point out, has evolved. And I yep. understand to begin with, we had estimates of 2 million people going to die. We thought we yep. had the Black Plague 
the Spanish yep. flu, you know, the, the, yep. the hundred, it was a hundred year pandemic. It was time for it to come through again. And we did all these things because we didn't know. And I don't even blame some of the politicians because nobody knew. But week after week, our numbers have got more clear, more clear, yep. more clear. And now we know a lot more of what we're dealing with. How, how would you surmise that versus the flu that we have every year? Yeah. Well, in, in, all, in all honesty, um, I, I do understand how many people would think, look, we didn't know, so, so we, were, we were very cautious. However, um, my first letters to senators went out March the 20th. Uh, and on March the 12th, I actually told my wife, I would bet every penny we have, including what I can find on the couches, that I know this thing will not kill as many people as the flu uh, if it's handled correctly. Now, at the time, I didn't know they were going to make up, you know, death numbers later. But, but from, uh, from January 1st to April the 1st, the flu was killing more than two and a half times as many people as COVID. And I knew that based on two things. Number one, it started in a city of 11 million people uh, in a country of 1.4 billion, and it killed less than 4,000 people. Whereas the flu kills you know, 38,000 on average here, um, as recently as 1718, it killed 61,000 people in a country of 340 million. So then it goes to Italy and everybody freaked out about Italy, but it kills, it's killed about 24,000 in, in Italy. Um, the flu killed 24,000 in Italy a couple different times between 14 and 16. And then in 17, 18, it killed more than that because they're, they're, they've got a lot of different issues with their, their health system. They're, they're socialized medicine. They've got 60 million people in a, in a very small landmass. Um, they've got an old population. Uh, and frankly, they, they get overwhelmed by almost every respiratory illness. It's just you don't see it on the news every day. So I, I'm frankly, was arguing from, from the very beginning not to shut down. I didn't see a reason to, to, to shut down a country for this, but I could see where some people who didn't necessarily have that knowledge would say, okay, let's be real cautious. But I agree with you that the information becomes more and more clear all the time, and yet we, we refuse to, to fully act on it. I know we've opened up some, but I mean, they're talking about like we can't have football, but I, I promise you 98,000 healthy people can be together without a significant threat of COVID. So, Doctor, let, let me let me surmise what you're telling us. Be sure I understand it, and everybody who's listening to this podcast, are you telling me uh, that that based on the facts that you've seen and that you know that the COVID virus is really just another flu, and and we're getting the same results as just another flu, other than it's being politicized, or is it worse, or is it not as dangerous? Yes. Well, and one of the things that I want to point out is I will be happy to give you my summation. But one of the things you, you, you hopefully noticed in, in the introduction to the second article is, look, I am no longer trying to take I am the expert on this disease. I, I never wanted to say that. All I wanted to say is we are not looking at the facts accurately. And I want to give you those facts and let you make your own, own opinion. So, so when I give you the information, I absolutely want patients to look it up. I want them to say, hey, hey, we're going to see if this guy knows what he's talking about. But we're sure going to start thinking it through and make our own decision. But, but now that you've asked for my opinion, uh, yes, from, from January 1st to April 1st, uh, the flu killed more than two and a half times as many people with the exact same uh, shelter in place, with the exact same travel restrictions, and with a vaccine, which we obviously don't have for COVID. Um, but, but the other thing is, and, and I think everybody knows this, if you've got children, when they go to school and the flu gets started in a school, I mean, you're talking, you know, very quickly, uh, classes have multiple members. Uh, I've seen as many as 23 members in a single 25 classroom uh, that are sick from the flu. You do not see that with, with COVID. Uh, and when you do have um, 
um, the flu, you, you know you have the flu. And, and one of the things I pointed out in, in one of my articles is, you know, Michael Jordan played the most famous flu game of all time. Almost none of the NBA players even knew they had COVID. So I, I think the flu personally is something I would fear more uh, as a whole. Yeah, you said this, and, and one of the things that jumped out of the article, you, you went as far as to say, in my expert opinion, based on actually seeing patients, unlike Dr. Fauci, and I don't, you don't have to throw Dr. Fauci anywhere. It's just a fact he hasn't seen patients in 20 years. That is a fact. That's right. that's uh, that. And you see patients every year, multiple times through multiple flu seasons. That is that accurate? That's that accurate. And you, now, I don't, you, you said, yeah, I, don't go, I, I want to interrupt you real quick. I don't necessarily treat a lot of infected patients anymore because I do preventative medicine, but, but I've seen as many as 62 flu patients in a single day. And for 15 years, I saw infected patients every day. All right. Yes. With that being said, you said based on your experiences, okay, you right. went as far as to say, and you're kind of touching on it now, but I want to clarify, like Bubba did a minute ago on the other point, you think that COVID-19 isn't more infectious than the normal influenza based on some oh, things okay. you just said. And we that's all we're yeah. hearing. It's more yeah. contagious. It's more, I've even said it because I've been told that so many times. It's more. It's yeah. highly contagious, more contagious. You say not any more contagious than what you've been seeing with the others. Oh, no, I, I don't think it's anywhere close as contagious from, from the experience that I've had. And plus, you know, I'm going to go to a couple things in the article real quick, because these are things that everybody can see. But but you guys do have children, right? Yes. Uh, you yes. both have children? Yes. yes. Uh, you, you've seen the flu in daycares and, and schools, right? Yes. I mean, did not multiple kids in the class get sick every time? Yes. All right, so that happens with the flu. We've all seen this. The flu is highly infectious. You really can't run a daycare during flu season once it gets started because kids under five, they just can't keep their hands out of their mouths and whatever. They literally have to shut those down every single year. And I'm sure they did in the county you're in. They definitely did in Jefferson County. They definitely did in Tuscaloosa County this year. I know they did. I've already verified that. So given that, we know how infectious the flu is. But locally, um, there was recently a poker tournament, and they to follow the rules, they, they kept the, the four different locations, and they would rotate the, 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 the tables around. They'd have eight different people. They had dealers. And it turns out that one guy had COVID, all right? Now, he didn't know he had COVID because he had no symptoms whatsoever. Again, very different from the flu. Um, but he came, and he came into contact with 35 people. All 35 were tested. Negative. Not a single person contracted it. Um, I know of another company where somebody came back from their honeymoon in February, so this is before all restrictions, uh, she came back to work, she suffered a flu-like illness, so she actually did have symptoms, uh, but they tested all 39 other people in the office, nobody, nobody else contracted it. So so these are cases where I'm seeing, you know, right here, where, where it doesn't seem to be as contagious, but, but then you go back to the NBA, which everybody knows about, because Lord knows they told us about it hundreds of times, and they tested hundreds of people, and only 14 were infected, only 12 12 of them didn't know they had it. So only two out of hundreds even had symptoms at all. Then you got the aircraft carrier. And, and again, you probably have been on a military ship or at least seen one. Yeah. That's the tightest quarters I can possibly imagine. You've got 4,800 people and you've got 600 cases going around that carrier. And yet 4,140 never got it. 400 never knew they had it. So you're talking about 95% of the people either didn't get it or never knew they had it in the first place. And the majority of the rest of them had a cold. So do you, do you, who do you blame for the misconception out there? Is it uh, elected officials? Is it the media? Is it social media where everybody can can get on there and type behind a uh, keypad and 
and it go all over the world. How, how has it got so blown out of proportion, do you think? By the way, all the above, I guess, is an answer as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and all the above is, is the correct answer. I mean, every single one of those has a contribution. But um, if you did not have a media that talked about it 24-7, they couldn't possibly keep this thing going like they have. So, so if I had to pick the most prominent, it would, it would probably be the media. Um, again, I just... I find it absolutely baffling that there's anybody in this country that doesn't think this is the weirdest coverage we've ever seen in our life. And we've just never seen a story that stayed on there for a hundred days, had constant meters going. And frankly, you know, I mean, I know the numbers are, are big, but epidemiologically they're, they're not big at all. I mean, is a billion bigger or is five, five million bigger? Well, a billion's a whole lot bigger. Well, that's how many global cases of flu, but they've never told you about, about any of them. So it's just, it's really, really odd. Well, and, and you mentioned that about the, the normal flus. I've coached teams, you know, getting into the sports now. You mentioned the NBA. A kid on the team gets the flu. Guess what we say? Hey, man, we're going to have multiple people with it. And we do. And you try to get it stopped, and you send the people home who are sick. Some teams will have so many people sick, they can't even play the next game. Right. But, but we don't shut the whole sports community down. We do not, no. We, we've never shut down anything for a disease before until this one. Now, now, if you had a legit Spanish flu, um, you might make that argument for, for at least a little while. Um, the Spanish flu, back back then, the, the entire population of the world was 1.5 billion. Uh, and it infected a third of them, 500 million people out of 1.5 billion. So, so in today's world, you would be talking about almost 3 billion people, 2.3 billion people would be infected. And 10% of all of them are dying, including 20 year olds. That'd be a whole different story. Uh, but we're about 72, 71.5 million away from even getting to 1% of the population infected. And the vast majority of the 5 million cases or so that we're heading towards now, mild. You know, So it, it just doesn't make any sense from that standpoint. Dr. Williams, let's talk about the virus itself. Um, the, the fact that it has spread like it has, is that just what RNA viruses do? Or is yeah. this one different? Has it is it a is it a leap forward? Is that why people are having trouble with it immunity wise? Or is all of this just misconception? Well, well you know, again, you know, when you're when you're looking at confining it to a carrier and eighty six percent plus don't get it, I, it seems to me like immunity wise, the average person with a healthy immune system handling it very very well, um, without question. And I've actually reached out to. Uh, areas that, that have had bigger cases. Uh, I had dinner very recently with the anesthesiologist who's probably intimated, intimated more patients in Tuscaloosa County than, than anybody else with COVID. Uh, and I've talked to people who are actually treating, quote unquote, the, the front lines. Um, and when it does overwhelm an immune system, it is scary. Uh, and, and the respiratory distress is very, very rapid. And, and there's no question that that's a, that's a tragic circumstance. But almost all of those cases are, are multifactorial, uh, either, you know, obesity and diabetes, high heart disease, hypertension and diabetes. Um, a, a lot of the, the, the patients in New York were, were especially vulnerable. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, these are still you know, these are still human beings, but, you know, say the homeless that, that have a lot of things working against them uh, and stay in very tight, you know, conditions where they're literally laying, you know, right next to each other, things like that. So there's there's reasons that it's spread among certain populations. Uh, and if it gets started in a nursing home, you know, we're going to lose 
you know, several people. So it is important to do things to protect the vulnerable populations. But but I think the, the healthy immune system seems to be handling it quite well from every piece of evidence we've been given. Do- Dr. Williams, there was a study that came out that said uh, that when we put someone on a ventilator for this, 90% of them did not recover. Um, we asked one of the doctors at UAB, she was saying, well, they, they misfigured that. And if you really do the real numbers, it's more like 20%, which is probably kind of what that number would be with anybody on a ventilator. Is, do you have any information on that? Is the ventilator the way to go on this, yeah, or is I, that not the way to go? I've been asked that question before, and, and I'm, I'm real careful to tell you what I, I feel comfortable I know, and then I just don't comment on things I don't know. I, I'm not in that arena right now. Um, I do know this. If somebody came in my ER and they couldn't breathe uh, back in the days I was intubating people, yeah, you're, you're not going to let them suffocate in front of you. You're, you're going to do what you, you have to do. So I, I don't know. I do think that as many times as I've started to hear that, um, that those doctors um, need to continue to speak out and speak about better therapies. Um, I've also heard from a few respiratory therapists that they think some of the way they're managing the vents is, is, is making a difference. So I think that information will evolve. But but of all the things we've talked about, um, there's almost no way to fault that original approach. I mean, we just didn't know a different way to handle it. So I think that will evolve. Uh, but that's another thing that I think as a whole would be a medical community thing, not a public discussion thing for any other illness. Doctor, let me ask you this too. We I've, I've spoken indirectly with two people who – went to New York to help with this pandemic and they were treating the COVID patients at the hospitals. I mean, they were downtown right where the rubber hits the road. Both of them came back with similar reports that a lot of the things they were doing was wrong and that they, both of these people had been on mission trips to third world countries. They compared it to that and said a lot of the people didn't know what they were doing and conditions were horrible. Have you, have you heard any of that? Yeah. Um, again, I did reach out to some people who had had, had some experience in New York and, uh, um, I don't, I don't know what all's happened in New York, but, um, um, I, I do have some questions about some of the ways they've handled it. Um, I have a lot of questions about some of the numbers they've given us. Um, I, Frankly, I, I trust some of those videos, which I have a link to where, you know, either a guy is telling the truth or he's got a budget, you know, where he can recreate New York City, uh, showing no lines where they're claiming there's a lot of lines. So I think New York is a really tough place to get good information from. Uh, but the people that I did talk to, uh, they said it was almost number one. It was not the numbers you were being told. Uh, all of them were sent home early. Uh, none of them stayed, you know, the entire course of what they were supposed to stay because they were not needed beyond a certain point. Uh, and then they were always the most vulnerable that, that were actually suffering the disease. There are definitely people there that, that have suffered, but but it's it's a it's a strange situation in that I don't think we can get a good story. So let's talk a little bit about what our country has done. Local, okay. state. You know, we found out in our state, which is a state where you practice now, we right. did we did not have one death that was below 50 years of age and 95% of those had all the health conditions pre-existing you talked about and the average age of death was 72. So when you think about that, that would be very similar to every single year that we have influenza, correct? That's correct. And and like I said, I, I actually, it was literally 
I think it was Monday night. I said, well, let me go look and see, you know, what are our numbers, you know, 2020, are, are they significantly higher? And they're actually a little bit below pace. Yeah. So, so we're losing the same people we would lose for any other condition, except what we've chosen to do this time is put 30 million people out of work. Well, then that leads, that leads to my next question. <laughs> Another yeah. problem. The here. current policies instituted by the local, state, and national governments you say are causing greater health problems than the virus ever will. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unpack yeah. that for us. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you think about, um, well, I, I'm going to give you like a little anecdotal story and then I'll go into things that are not anecdotal. But, but um, yeah, I, I know of a 70 year old gentleman who has known heart disease uh, and he just wouldn't go to the hospital for, for fear. Now, I wasn't involved in this case. I didn't have a chance to encourage him to go to the hospital, um, but I heard about it later. Uh, wouldn't go to the hospital for fear of COVID. Well, when he got there, um, he had ischemia. Uh, he had suffered uh, probably a greater infarct than he needed to suffer. Uh, and it turns out he had COVID and he never knew it. 70 years old, not a cough, not a fever, not a anything. So unless you're going to blame his heart disease, which apparently you're allowed to, according to the CDC, uh, on, on his, uh, his COVID, which he had heart disease before he ever had COVID, he had no symptoms whatsoever. But, but his heart disease is now further along. His damage to his heart is further along than I think it needed to be had he gone to the hospital two weeks ago. Now, I know for a fact, and I mentioned this in the articles, uh, that there are people who have had palpable masses, uh, breast masses that, that have not been able to have any quote-unquote elective um, biopsy, an elective procedure to remove those masses. Uh, I know there are people who have known colon cancer who've had their colonoscopies delayed. Uh, one of those in particular I, I followed up with just to see kind of where they were. Uh, a colonoscopy that's supposed to take place in April will now take place in August. So if he's developing a mass, you know, that, that's going to put him at greater risk. Uh, and I can't tell you how many social workers have have reached out to me and said, we thank you for, for what you're doing. And especially the fact that you point out that there's a psychological impact of what we're doing. Uh, we are getting more calls on child abuse. We are getting more calls on domestic abuse. Uh, and that needs to be brought, brought out to the attention. So, you know, depression rates are up. Uh, suicide hotlines are up. Um, we, we just can't put people out of work and take them out of their life and keep them confined and expect that there's no consequences. Well, and, and I would add, if you want to add in an, an article coming up, I'm now getting this from people I know that work on the front lines. Now the new thing is we release people from jail. Well, yes. you know, it's one thing to release somebody who's waiting on trial. I, I don't have a problem with that because they should, they haven't had their due process, but releasing people who were convicted, and, and, I, and I talked to an inner city ministry that said, we're seeing the negative results because we're not allowed to now go meet with the people we were helping. The people right. who have drug problems can't get to their groups that are helping them. They won't let them meet. And right. then said, we had a woman who had an abusive boyfriend who got put yep. in jail. We got her in a safe house. We were treating her. She was doing great. And then the county or wherever, something here in our state, let him out of jail for fear of COVID. He came back and has beaten her, and now they yep. can and now and he's taken her back. And they yep. said in, in some of our bigger cities, uh, I forget which one it was, where they said they released these prisoners, and over a hundred of them have already been arrested again because they're back committing crimes again. And here's another thing that would not have happened if we had just treated it like a normal flu season. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I really. I do find it troubling that people aren't willing to kind of think things through uh, and frankly troubling that, um, well, uh, just bottom line is we, we've elected a lot of the wrong people. Um, they're either incompetent or they're crooked either way. It doesn't matter to me anymore what their issue is, but they, they clearly 
are not thinking in the interest of, of their constituents because they are putting them at risk for all kinds of things. And, and the fact that we're just like, we only think we think about COVID, that's all. And we don't think about any other possible consequence. Um, we don't think it through. We don't think, what does it really mean to put people in, in, a, in an abusive situation and leave them there? Um, my, my business is based on accountability. Um, I do wellness medicine and uh, uh, I, I do not charge for follow-up visits because I let people wait every week for free because I insist on it. Because I'm like, look, you, you can't do this by yourself. And yet we've taken people who can't do drug rehab by themselves and we've said you got to. And, and they can't. They're just not capable of doing that. Um, but, but you're absolutely right about everything you said and the fact that these things haven't been thought through um, are, are pretty tragic. And, and one of the things that I mentioned in, in my article, I'm sure you noticed, it was about the, you know, the people who are dying alone uh, in nursing homes. And, and if you extend that to the fact that people can't visit, now you've got uh, an elderly person who has an accident or, or a medical condition, they get put in a hospital. Well, they only are allowed one visitor. And if that's an elderly spouse, what that usually means is the family gets no information because the elderly spouse can't yeah. communicate that information. So you got two choices. You send somebody younger and they don't get to see their spouse, which is very not good for an elderly person. They, they do very well with the people they've been with for 30 and 40 years, uh, or you get no information. And I just, man, I, I just hate that we've gotten that situation. By the way, I just wanted to point out for the discussion, uh, life expectancy in our state now for a male is 72.6 years, for a female, 78.1. Mm. Doctor, uh, let me ask you, th- this is uh, coronavirus is an RNA virus, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. The, we've heard a lot about vaccines, vaccines, vaccine. Well, you know, if we get a vaccine, um, is it likely we're going to get one that works? And if so, how have we been able to get one for this when we really don't even have one for the common flu? I mean, we have a flu shot, but we don't yeah. have a vaccine for it. We don't have one for HIV, and there's a lot of other ones yeah. that I can can say, and there's been a lot of research went into HIV and a lot of money. Yeah, uh, well, you know, we, we actually uh, do a pretty good job with, with the influenza vaccine. Um, and I will point out that, you know, everybody knows about the flu and, and you know that you can get it at any age. As a matter of fact, uh, it has killed roughly 150 children this year. So the flu will kill all the way down to, to kids. Uh, and yet probably the, the rate of vaccination is probably about 50%. So uh, part of the problem with the flu is, is not necessarily that we don't have a vaccine. It's just a lot of people don't get it. Uh, obviously, some years it's more effective than others. But but you're always having to speculate. Uh, the flu is kind of like a... It's kind of like a slot machine. It's coming up with a new antigen every year. And if we if we nail it pretty well, then, then, then it works really well. And if we don't nail it very well and it comes up with a different combination, uh, the flu seasons tend to be worse. But um, we, we haven't done a lot of uh, coronavirus vaccines in the past because uh, they haven't been as trans- transmissible among humans. Um, and so we've never... We've never developed one that we actually used. Uh, I don't know how successful they'll be with this one, but but I go back to the fact that you can confine it on an aircraft carrier and 86 plus percent aren't even going to get it. Uh, I don't think I'd be vaccinated for that. So if you want to come up with a vaccine, sort of like you know, we have a pneumonia vaccine that we use, the pneumococcal vaccine we use in the elderly, uh, and you want to target it to the, to the vulnerable population, I think there'd be a use there. But I, I don't really see a point in doing a general vaccine for this. Yeah, and, and you know, my, my parents do the pneumonia vaccine because they're 79 years old. And Absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, but, but, you, but you go back to, to what you're talking about, about this as some unknown thing. You, you made the point that this, we, we, this was not as unknown as we're being led to believe that we do know a lot about coronaviruses. Yeah. And, uh, yes. you know, because we were led to believe this just came out of nowhere. It dropped down on us 
like an yeah. unknown monster. And really, yeah. if you look back, Dr. Williams, if you look back, Fauci didn't seem overly concerned. Cuomo, of course, he's the politician. I'm just using now doctor, now now politician. They weren't overly concerned. And we went from nobody is overly concerned. The Blasio can, wasn't. He was the, telling people to body, go out and eat like normal. We can to do start this. With. We can do just this. Like. It's just another flu. It's not even as bad as the ones we've already dealt with. You know, you go back to the inconvenient, very good numbers from H1N1 that people seem to be ignoring like it didn't happen. And, yeah. and, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was the end of time. I, I don't I, we can't follow that. I, I'm not asking you to come up with a question because I'm assuming the questions you're asking you don't follow it either. No, no, it, 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 you, you you basically surmise you know part of my frustration. I, I tried to describe, especially in the second piece, the fact that none of the way this is handled has made any sense. The fact that, that Fauci's been all over the place. You know, uh, I used the football illustrations. You know, said you know, we're going to win easily and then we're going to lose by three touchdowns. As far as you know, the immune system, it it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, the only thing that's the common variable that has not changed is that the media has said it's the end of the time, uh, and they keep saying it. Uh, and no matter how much evidence that we give them that it's not. Um, we can't get them to back off that narrative. And unfortunately, you've got too many people who haven't done their own research and, and fall into that narrative. And so therefore, the politicians react that way. Um, for certain politicians, um, it's led to an opportunity to ask for a whole lot of money. Uh, it's led to uh, what were terrible approval ratings to be improved approval ratings. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty disappointed with uh, with politicians, but I think you can probably get that from from my pieces. Doctor, let me ask you this back to vaccines in general for for health. We've obviously had some real wins. Uh, Polio, smallpox, uh, you know, a couple of those things come to mind. Um, Are are we are we getting out of control with vaccines? Are there too many of them or are you do you like the vaccine? Do you think we should keep coming up? Because I know just from having uh, kids at different times. It seems like the the later you have a child, the more things are quote unquote required or on the schedule to have. Um, is that talk to us about vaccinations in general, far as building up immunity to things? Yeah, and that's of course what you're trying to do. You're, you're trying to expose the body to either a weakened version uh, of, of a future opponent, or you're trying to expose it to a dead version uh, of an opponent and then make your body say, okay, I've seen this before. I'm going to ramp up my defenses uh, and then I'll be ready for it. And, and once you've kind of trained your body to do that, uh, if you get exposed to it, you, you ramp up those defenses much, much quicker and you create the antibodies you need to. Um, I, you know, to this point, I felt like we were we we're in a pretty good place. Um, uh, you definitely want, you know, vaccines for things like, you know, measles and mumps and rubella. And, and you, you, you want those. Uh, but keep in mind, like, you know, these legitimate killers, I call them legitimate killers. You know, when they would get started, when smallpox got started on a ship in the mm. you know 1700s, I mean, that ship came in with a lot of dead people. I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, you know, 4,800 people and, you know, uh, and admittedly, there was one fatality on that carrier, and that is tragic. I know nothing about their health history, but it wasn't one out of 4,800. I mean, it was, you know, ships had several hundred crewmen, and they would lose, you know, a couple dozen at, at a minimum. So the legitimate killers, you know, we, we can't ignore them, and we have to vaccinate for them. Of course, we've eliminated most of them because, you know, we've vaccinated for, for long enough. Um, but I think, you know, influenza is a worthy opponent. Um but frankly, I, I don't think COVID general, uh, is sufficient to, to create a general vaccine. Uh, it would have to be a specialized vaccine for me, uh, nursing homes and the elderly, that sort of thing. 
Uh, let me ask you this, Doctor. You did it in passing. I'm looking. We're, we only got about five more minutes, and I want to be sure you clarify this because this appears to be the latest scare. Okay, people are trying to go back to their normal lives. They're reading the numbers. They're researching themselves. We have medical doctors like you that are coming out saying, look, I just have to speak the truth here. So now they want to scare us with, uh-oh, it's coming after children. And, and, and you're saying, yes, there is something that's affecting children. Will you please explain? Is it connected? Yeah, yeah. what this is, because you said we do have this. And you did mention that influenza, uh, you know, this year where has already killed 150 children. Uh, but, but so tell us about, cause this is the latest thing. Everybody seems like they're not getting afraid of it enough. So now let's come up with children when we thought they were safe. No, they're not. Tell us what's going on with this, this, this latest thing. Yeah, actually, um, the irony is, you know, I got almost all of my numbers from articles that were designed to scare people, right? You know, like the, the article about the, the, the Theodore Roosevelt, which is the aircraft carrier. Um, the, the, the impetus of the article, the, the bent of the article was it, it's a stealth weapon. Most people didn't even know they had it. You know, well, that, that to me isn't a stealth weapon. It means it does not bad enough to get you sick. But, but the point is most of the articles, including the stats, uh, I've gotten have come from, from media members who were absolutely, uh, trying to point out the dangers of COVID. And, and so the several of them have pointed out, you know, Hey, our kids are not completely safe. You know, we, we haven't seen any deaths under 18. We haven't seen, but don't worry, you know, they, they can get sick too. So, so don't, don't be relaxing. Uh, and now you're hearing about, you know, every single case of a possible inflammatory response to the virus. But the truth is it hasn't been proven. Uh, we don't know for sure if it's from COVID or something else, but we do know we have inflammatory responses. Like I said, around 20,000 a year uh, in children. Uh, it almost invariably affects their heart, which you know this seems to be, and that would be something like Kawasaki's disease. So um, I personally think eventually we'll understand all the inflammatory diseases to be on some spectrum, uh, and these are falling in, in, in that spectrum somewhere. But um, but yeah, we're talking about less than 100, and you're hearing about every one of them. Whereas, you know, Kawasaki is around 20,000 a year. So if we're talking four months in, what we've had like 7,000 cases so far, I doubt, I doubt you've heard a single time that CNN's mentioned it. No, matter of fact, this year we haven't even heard about the flu. We don't even know where it went. Uh, <laughs> so it's disappeared. It's disappeared off the face of the planet. All right. So we, in summary, and if I don't get the summary right, and then we'll close it out, you say, let me correct you. Okay. Reading your articles listening and you're using numbers that we're all seeing you're just not putting the negative spin on it you know you're, you know right. it's, it's the glass half full half empty thing just like i said on the air one day because nobody said this i said you realize as of right now 99 percent of you have nothing to worry about 99 percent. i'll take those numbers all day long okay but but so covid19 in your medical opinion okay covid19 has been a flu season it might have been something that we haven't seen specifically we know about the conference we just didn't know about this team okay but now watching this team it appears that it's not any more maybe even less contagious than the influences that you've dealt with it doesn't seem to be as serious as the influences you've dealt with as you as we've all said somebody says i think i had the flu what would we always say now if you can if you went to work (laughs) or you went to school you didn't have the flu (laughs) That's right. That's right. But yeah. with but with COVID nineteen, we have people that don't know they have it all the time. We actually know a friend of ours that has had a pretty severe case of it. Had to go to the hospital. He was a healthy guy, but he had a pretty severe case of it. Had to go to the hospital for a couple of days. Got back into his house. He was in his house with his family for twenty one days. Not one member of the family got it. Okay. Yeah. All right, so and he's in the house with him now. He's secluded into a room. In all fairness, different floor. But the yeah. way but the way they're portraying this, if somebody's got it in your family, you got it. 
and yeah. uh, and that hasn't been the case. And and then I'll go further. In your opinion, there's no need to have done this shutdown. There's no need to shut schools down, and there's no need to shut the sports industry down. These things appear not to be necessary and should have never been done. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I, I sent my first letters to Congress people arguing not to shut down as early as March the 20th. Um, I said it out loud as early as March the 12th. Uh, NBA shut down March the 11th. And I was like, this just doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, <laughs> what in the world are, are we, are we doing here? So I, I do think there's other factors behind it, but um, I just don't think you can argue, you know, in a six month flu season, we get a billion cases and it puts more people in the hospital globally than our total cases are four and a half months in, into COVID more people in the hospital than our total cases. Um, and you know, it kills, roughly 300 to 650,000 people every single year. And we just don't, we just don't hear about it. Um, so there's a reason you're hearing about a, a virus that probably legitimately has killed somewhere just south of a hundred thousand people. Yeah. Uh, you, even the Italy thing shot me. You said basically these are Italy's numbers every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, uh, 1718 was, 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 was larger. Um, ironically, and I'll just clarify, um, I did find 24,000, uh, in several years, before that, uh, I couldn't, for whatever reason, find the exact number on 1718. But I did find articles that said it was the worst they'd had. You know, everybody knows 1718 in the medical community yeah. was, was a very bad flu season. 61,000 was the number in the United States. That, that's a lot of people to die and not hear a thing. So um, when one of the things I pointed out early to, to neighbors was, uh, you know, Fauci about early April said, OK, we were dropping our numbers down and, and there may be 100 to 200,000. I said, so, okay, what if we just give it 183,000? Well, that's three times as many uh, as 61,000. All right, so take your flu coverage from 1718 and multiply that by three. Well, the flu coverage for 1718 was about zero, so zero times three is still zero. Uh, That would be the average medical attention you're going to get from the national media uh, for these kind of numbers. If you want to find out all these articles, read them for yourself, coronavirustruthandlies.com. CoronavirusTruthAndLies.com. Dr. David Williams, thank you for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University. Thank you, Doc.